You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 43 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story? The U.S. is still trying to figure out what normal life looks like after a pandemic. For a clue, we can look to Wuhan, China, the early center of the outbreak, where tight restrictions on movement were lifted only weeks ago. Bloomberg's Beijing bureau chief, Sharon Chen, visited Wuhan as the lockdown ended. She reports the city's residents are living in a world that's far from normal. But first, here's what happened today. It was the fifth week that new unemployment claims reached astronomical levels. It brings the five-week total during the pandemic to 26.5 million. That's the steepest labor market downturn since the Great Depression. The numbers suggest that the U.S. jobless rate for April will potentially reach 20 percent. That's double the 10 percent peak reached in the wake of the 2009 financial crisis. Any minute now, the U.S. House of Representatives is expected to pass the $484 billion interim coronavirus rescue package. They met for debate leading up to the vote while taking extraordinary health precautions. Most members wore masks, and members took turns in the chamber to debate the bill. It was the first time they had convened as a group since March 27th. The measure will add new funds to the Paycheck Protection Program of Loans to Small Businesses. The president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, told EU leaders that its gross domestic product could fall by as much as 15%. Lagarde said in a video conference with the 27 EU heads that they have done too little, too late, according to people familiar with her remarks. Finally, A new antibody test can tell in 14 minutes whether someone was infected with a novel coronavirus. According to Siemens Healthineers AG, the company that developed the test, it is more than 99% accurate and will be available by late May. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. 
Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. And now, our main story. Millions of people in Wuhan, China, the city where the novel coronavirus first emerged, are trying to figure out what life looks like in the bustling industrial city after the worst pandemic in a century. Bloomberg's Beijing bureau chief, Sharon Chen, went to Wuhan recently to see what it looks like to emerge from lockdown. She found a world that still feels far from normal and a population that's keenly aware of both the threat of disease and the watchful eye of China's powerful surveillance state. Bloomberg Senior Executive Editor for Economics, Stephanie Flanders, spoke to Sharon for the Stephanomics podcast. Here's some of their conversation. We went to Wuhan um, on April 4th, just before the quarantine was lifted on April 8th. The idea was to go there and see, you know, how does a city of more than 10 million people emerge from lockdown? And it's the first city in the world that went through it. And throughout this whole process, this virus outbreak, Wuhan has kind of been ahead of the curve. They'd have been the first city to deal with it, and then now the first city to be locked down, and then the first city to try to get back to normal. And we thought that going there would maybe give us some clues about what kinds of things would happen when other big cities try to emerge from lockdown. So yeah, so that was the idea behind the trip. And now that I'm back in Beijing, I've been quarantined in my apartment for 14 days, and I can't leave. <laughs> You were actually, and you were just saying, I want to hear more about what Wuhan, but you should, you have an alarm on your door uh, that to prevent you from from leaving. They've put an alarm on my door that alerts my kind of my property management building, a building management whenever I open the door, and I'm only allowed to open the door to put the trash outside and to pick up food that's delivered or any items I have delivered. I have to report my temperature to three different WeChat groups every day, twice a day. Beijing is just on high alert. It's kind of more paranoid than any other city in China. On, on Wuhan, what, what struck you most immediately about the experience there? Because as you say, uh, we do look to Wuhan as an extreme example of the impact of the virus, but also a place that was quite far ahead of everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway is that it was really kind of a two-speed recovery or like coming back to normal. So you had the resumption of work and that was really apparent and really immediate, especially because it was something that the government was pushing. So the day we arrived, there there was hardly any traffic. And by the time we were leaving 10 days later, we were getting stuck in traffic constantly at rush hour because people were going to work. You know, factories were working at full production capacity. They were working through the weekends. They worked through the long holiday that we were there to make up for all the lost time. 
But in terms of consumption, you know, the shopping malls were open, the restaurants were open, but they were basically empty. No one was eating out. Even the few people that we spoke to in the mall said that they don't think that they would go out like they used to before just for fun. Um, you know, they would really only go out for essential activities. People were still scared. I think both of the virus, even though there are officially no cases in Wuhan now, um, they're, they're both scared of the virus. It's kind of, I think, a psychological hangover after being told for weeks and weeks that it's very dangerous outside and you can't go outside and it's dangerous to interact with people. But they were also scared of being quarantined again because in Wuhan, they have this health code system. So you're either green, yellow or red. And even going into a shopping mall where later someone else is either suspected or confirmed of having the virus will turn your code yellow and then you can get quarantined again. And your housing compound can refuse to let you leave the housing compound. So there's kind of like this high level of paranoia about both those things, both the virus and about being locked up again. So, I mean, I think consumer habits and just social habits really have changed. And there was kind of this divergence between going to work and going out for fun. No, that's fascinating. And I think we're, and we are seeing that when we're looking at the sort of high frequency economists are now looking at the high frequency data and Beijing and other cities and you can see this real there's a sort of back as you say there's the kind of supply side and the demand side the supply side shock uh, as we used to talk about it has gone because people are more or less back to work 90-95% but anything that's to do with spending and consumer activity particularly at the weekends is just still way below where it was and that's obviously concerning for economists thinking about how steep the recovery is. When you look at Wuhan and then you read people still talking about that V-shaped recovery that we turn everything back on again, do you think that is is quite far off the mark? Yeah, I mean, I think if you listen to, you know, like US President Donald Trump saying, when we lift the lockdowns, everything's going to go back to normal. It just seems so far removed from what's happening in Wuhan. You know, just because people have the freedom to go outside doesn't mean that they want to. The idea of people sitting in a crowded restaurant or going to watch a movie in a theater or going to a concert, I mean, like, I don't think anyone in Wuhan would even consider that within the realm of possibility. Being at home for so long, I think it's really changed people in the long term. Like, people are just more used to um, eating at home, used to cooking at home, not really going out getting food delivered. We also interviewed a restaurant owner. He, of his 10 restaurants, none of them have reopened. The original plan was for him to reopen three. And then when he realized that nobody's going out anyway, he decided he was just going to reopen one. And eventually he reopened none of them. And he said, you know, people now, they don't go out for lunch on their lunch hour. Everyone's bringing lunch to the office, like bringing home cooked food. So all these little things that are really going to impact businesses like his, especially small businesses, I think. And I think it goes to that point of it, the permanence of some of these costs. We know, as you said, the manufacturers are quickly doing the orders that got put on hold, and you could imagine that they might get back 80 or 90% of what they would have had. You know, they'll grow much faster now in a classic kind of recovery way and catch up that lost ground. But uh, in the service sector and spending on things like restaurants, we just we know that we're not going to be eating twice as many restaurant meals in the second half of the year. But what you're telling me is that we may not even be eating 
half the level of our normal level, that could really have an impact on the pace of the recovery. Well, Sharon, so how long have you got before that bell goes off your front door? How, when, do you, when do you get to see the sunshine, feel the sunshine again? So I have seven days to go, but Beijing has just said that my district is a high-risk area because they discovered a cluster. A student from the U.S. came back and tested positive for the virus two days after he completed his 14-day quarantine. So there's been some rumors that they could extend it to 21 days, but so far that hasn't happened. So fingers crossed I get out in a week. Uh, Good luck, fingers crossed, and thanks so much for all the reporting you're doing. Thank you. That was Stephanie Flanders in conversation with Sharon Chen. For more on what it will take for China and the world to return to normal, listen to the new episode of Stephanomics out today. And that's it for our show. For more on the coronavirus crisis from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And please, if you appreciate the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is hosted by me, Laura Carlson. The show was produced by me, Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, and Magnus Henriksen. Today's main story was reported by Sharon Chen. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Francesca Levy and Rick Shine. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.